Bible up in the air. Let's make a confession. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise. Amen. Praise God. You don't have what it takes. We're starting that series today. There's four basic truths that we're going to look at in the next four weeks. And today we're going to talk about you're not good enough. Hello? Have you ever heard that before? You're not. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're not good enough. Some of you are afraid to say it. You've been thinking it for a long time. You haven't got the guts to say it. Amen. You're not good enough. No matter how hard you try, regardless of how hard you work in your effort to please God, even with your very best attempt to achieve righteousness, you will never be good enough. Once you admit it, you're faced with a new problem. You have an enemy who's in agreement. He's constantly telling you you're not good enough. He'll beat you down and talk you out of even attempting to do what God's called you to do. He'll tell you over and over in a multiplicity of ways you're not good enough. Here's how it goes. You get excited about God. You decide, hey, I'm going to get plugged in and do something in the church. I think what I'll do is I'll head up a home team in my house. And immediately you hear, who do you think you are? You're not good enough. You don't know enough Bible. Somebody's going to ask you a question. You're going to give them a wrong answer. You're going to blow it. You're not spiritually mature. You're not good enough. So you decide what I'll do now is rather than a home team, I'll go to 24-7, 365, get involved in high school and middle school ministries and serve God there. And in your brain you hear, have you forgotten your thought life? Remember that word you said just this last week. Do you really think you're a living example of Jesus? You're not good enough. Well, maybe I'll just share Jesus on the job. The enemy comes immediately and says, what's your name again? You're not good enough. They've all heard about you. They know your past. They've seen you screw up. They work with you for crying out loud. You're not good enough. Well, I'll influence business owners. Uh, uh, what's up with that? The devil will say to you. You, you, you'll embarrass yourself, God, and the church. You're not good enough. Over and over, every day, we deal with this thought, this word coming into our brain, we're not good enough. And the enemy's talking to us, telling us we're not good enough, and we're trying to get him to stop, and we want him to stop with the lies. But the problem is, it's the truth. How do you combat a truth in your life? You're not good enough. What if we just accepted the reality and the truth that we're not good enough? Instead of uh, giving the enemy the ability to beat us down with it, if you see it from the correct perspective, it actually can liberate you and set you free. The reality is I'm not good enough. But 
I don't want to see that from the enemy's perspective. I'm not in an effort to please God. Do I do the work that I do? But out of an approval from God that positions me to do what God's called me and you to do. There are great men in the Bible who struggled with the same issue. In Genesis 18, 27, Abraham, he said, hey, I'm dust and ashes trying to talk to God. Who am I to go talk to God? I'm dust and ashes. In Isaiah 6, verse 5, we remember the story. Isaiah said, the year King Uzziah died, I saw God lifted up in his temple. You know, he filled the temple. But he said, woe is me. I am undone. I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah was a pretty straight arrow, guys. He didn't have a bunch of hidden secret sins he was trying to cover. He was a great God-fearing man, but in the presence of God, all he could see was his own imperfections. In Luke chapter 5, verse 8, Peter shows up, and he says he saw this, and he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. He said, get out of here. I can't even be in your presence. I am filled with sin. In 1 Timothy 1, verse 16, Paul declares that he's the worst of all sinners. Maybe what we need to do is go back and read Romans 3.23 and get it straight in our head. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter how you judge it, no matter how you work it, no matter how you look at it, all of us have missed the mark. Every single one of us, I don't know how squeaky clean you are, but you're not clean enough. You're not good enough on your own. You are in big trouble. It doesn't make any difference how hard you try, the amount of effort you put into it, the the investment that you make, the resources you devote. Sooner or later, you mess up. You're just not good enough. You know, just the other day, I'm in the car. We've just left church for crying out loud. I'm, we, we're in the middle of a fast. How many of you guys are fasting? You're still on the fast. Look at the hands. Pray for these people. They're hungry. <laughs> they get up here and start talking about tailgating and ribs and stuff. That's great. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So here's the deal. We leave the church parking lot. We're in Shelby's car. I'm driving. I've got my boys. They have friends with them. And the, the, uh, the roads are very icy. The snow's on the ground. Remember, it's not that long ago, a week or two ago. It's on a Wednesday night after youth service where I have spoken to the youth. I'm, I've just got done preaching. I'm in the car. I'm in the middle of a fast. I'm a spiritual giant. Woohoo. I get out here to the stop sign. We, we, we turn here by McDonald's, go up to Clearwater uh, or Columbia Center Boulevard, and we stop there. And I'm thinking to myself, I need to teach my boys uh, how to drive in this kind of weather, and I can teach them without even saying words. If I'll just demonstrate it, be an example, they will learn. The, the ice is thick. We slid to a stop there and not even going fast. I'm thinking about this and my mind is on it. I realize that there's a lot of traffic. I could pull out, but I don't know if the tires will spin or not. So we'll just sit here and I'm going to be patient and wait for the right moment. I'm going to teach my sons just to be patient and wait. Be patient. Someone pulls up behind me. They begin to honk their horn. Without thought, I'm out of my car. I'm just being transparent. You, you would never do anything like this, probably, because you're afraid. I got out of the car. I walked back. I knocked on their window. The filet of fish was hanging out of their mouth. Their eyes looked like the headlights on a 67 Volkswagen. I said, did you need something? 
<laughs> I'm thinking, don't ever honk at me when I'm fasting. Especially if you got a fillet of fish hanging out of your mouth. I knew if I killed him, I could raise him from the dead. I was that anointed. I turned to go back to the car, and I can't tell you what went through my mind. I went, oops. I have taught my boys lessons without using words. Suddenly the revelation came. I'm not good at this. I'm not good enough. Tried everything I could to position them to get them to watch this lesson of life. And I get out and I teach them, baby. I teach them. Ever been there? Try to do all that you can. Do it all right. And you're still an idiot. The enemy isn't lying. You're not good enough. You listen to that lie long enough, and pretty soon you fall into a snare, and you begin to, to live in the performance mentality. All of a sudden, now, I have a false sense of pride when I'm performing well, and a false sense of condemnation when I'm performing poorly. I'm on an emotional roller coaster, and life is a mess because I'm trying to perform. Look at this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 through 9. Paul makes a statement. He says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I've got even more. He said, you know what? Uh, if anybody's going to do any bragging here, it might as well be me. I was circumcised the eighth day. In other words, it don't get no better than this. When you find out you need to be circumcised, it's great to learn on the eighth day. It's really a mess when you turn. How old did you just turn, Sylvester? 34. 34 is a bummer to find out circumcision is coming. I'm of the stock of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin, if you study the book, you find out that's one of God's favorite tribes. It's described in the Bible as the tribe that rides between the blades of God's shoulders. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm not only of the right house, I'm God's favorite house. I'm a Hebrew, as touching the law, a Pharisee. The Pharisees followed 613 laws. In verse 6, Paul goes on to say, concerning seal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. In other words, I've never been accused of breaking one of the 613 laws. We struggle with 10. This guy says, you know what? Guys, listen to me. If anybody's going to brag, I can brag. I've got my life together. It'd be like going in for a, for a job interview and telling the interviewer there that on, on my father's side, my grandpa is Billy Graham. On my mother's side, my grandmother is M Mother Teresa. I graduated from high school when I was in the eighth grade. I finished college by the time I was 16. As I started graduate school, I began my first company, which went global. I, by the time I got my doctorate, it was already a Fortune 500 club, uh, Fortune 500 uh, business. And at the end of your interview, the interviewer looking at you saying, that all you got? You still aren't good enough. It doesn't make any difference. Paul says, you know what? I, I've got all of this stuff going, but still at the end of the day, it is nothing. It's nothing. Why? Because it's not good enough. Look at verse 7. He said, the things that were once gained to me, the things that once meant everything to me, the things that I used to hang my hat on, those things I counted loss for Christ. Look at verse 8. 
Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. That word in the original Greek is skubulon. That word literally means poop. You could say skubulon happens and you'd be using the word correctly. He was not being polite. He was not being religious. He said everything that meant the world to me before when I had the revelation, suddenly it was skubulon. That's what I was thinking as I was walking back to the car. Oh, skubulon. Want to share. He had this understanding None of these things matter. Whether I work hard or didn't work, it isn't the issue. It's all scubulon. It's meaningless outside of Christ. He's trying to tell us that if we have that mentality and we're in the performance trap, there's two other things that are going to wrap their, their, their claws into our flesh. There's many more than two uh, facets of the performance mentality, but this morning we're just going to talk about two. And the first one is attempting to please God by following the rules. If you're trying to perform, you're going to be trying to follow the rules. The problem with that mentality is that the rules change and vary depending upon who you're hanging with. What you do over here is acceptable, but when you get over on this side of the room, it's no longer acceptable. One man says, I feel good about God and God feels good about me because of these things that I do. The man standing right next to him says, I feel good about God and God feels good about me because of these things I don't do. The problem is, is that the things that he does do are the same things that he doesn't do. And we both think that they're earning us some position with God. You can't follow the rules. You're, you 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 can't read your Bible enough to please God. You can't cover to cover seven times. I pray three times a day. I've helped a widow. I've given my money. It still isn't enough. You can't say I don't go to, you know, places I shouldn't go. I have not seen stepbrothers. I didn't drink that beer. I didn't chase those women. I didn't go to lunch at Hooters. Except that one time it was Stephen's birthday and the wings were on sale. If I do this, I'm good. If I don't do that, I'm not good. And we try to attempt God by pleasing him, uh, by, by following our own standard of rules. We try to do certain things. We find we can't do them. We try to stop certain things. We find ourselves doing them. Ever been there? And it's like that has some strange hold on your life. It is like, it's almost like a handle that's attached to your back and you take two steps forward, but there's something that the enemy grabs you onto and drags you three steps back. You say, I'm going to work harder and I'm going to be a better Christian. And by the end of that week, you're a bigger sinner than you were before you tried to be a better Christian. Hello? Come on now. I know we ain't just making tapes for people who couldn't make it. We try to follow every rule that we can find. But even at the end of that, if you, if you make it, you still find out it's not enough. The second mentality that comes with this is that we begin to believe our worth is based upon our production. 
No, as a child, when I was growing up and everybody was involved in the ministry in the house and I would grab my guitar. They, 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 my, my dad, my older brother, he was nine years older than I am. And, and, uh, they began to take guitar lessons together and I wanted to be a part of that. So I begged them for a guitar. They bought me a plastic guitar and they didn't let me go to class with them. They'd come home and they showed me two chords. And I went into a walk-in closet and I stayed in there hours on end. Eventually my father put a record player in there so I would leave them alone. They quit guitar. I stayed in the closet, practiced the guitar. One day, my guitar was in the back window of the Cadillac in Medford, Oregon. The sun was shining. It melted my guitar. I threw such a fit, they stopped at the music store and bought me a real one on the way home. Eight hours a day, I practiced all through high school. Eight hours a day. Worked a job, too. Anytime. My parents would come in in the middle of the night and ask me, would you please stop? My effort, my ambition, my purpose was to gain their attention. I would call them in. I'd learn a new lick. Call them, Mom, Dad, come look. Look look at me. Listen to me. And when they get in the room, a string would break or the guitar would be out of tune. Every time I got ready to show them and to earn their, their acceptance, I'd mess it up. Have you ever been there? Trying to make sure everybody understood I belong to this team. Do you really think that the more you do for God, the more he loves you? Do you think if you do it right, he'll love you more? Do you think then, if if that is your ambition, then you must believe that God loves you more than he does the prostitute that's out on the street? You think that God loves us more because we're in church today than those sinners who stayed home? I think they should be here. I'd love them more. (laughs) But that doesn't earn or increase our value with God. We're consciously, unconsciously, constantly asking ourselves, am I acceptable? Am I good enough? Did I do enough? Am I a good pastor? That's how it comes in my world. Am I a good pastor? Did I please everybody? Did they like my sermon? I hear when they don't. Why don't I hear when they do? Just sharing. Did I please everyone? Did I upset anybody? Did I make anyone mad? Well, I'm not done yet. Is my, is my value based upon church growth? You know, when the church gets bigger, I'm a better pastor. If it's not growing fast enough, I'm not good enough. I found out this week that our church from, from last year to, to, you know, in the last year to the previous year, growth was up. 47%. That's good. That's good until I read the article that said if you're growing at a faster rate than 25%, you're in deep trouble. See, if I try to make it grow, it grows too fast. If it doesn't grow too fast, it doesn't grow enough. I guess I'm not any good. What is it in your world? Are they buying enough product? Are you reaching enough, you know, uh, vendors? Are, are, you, are you doing everything that you're supposed to do? Have you sold enough cars? H- have you baked enough cakes? Have you changed enough diapers? Did you do it right? Uh, if I do it right, is my value on the increase? And the problem is, is that that's the wrong mentality to live our life by. Because even when we do everything that we could possibly do, when we're done, it's still not good enough. Paul said, my performance record was better than anybody's, but it's still scubulon. 
I can't work my way into pleasing God. I can't stop sinning my way into pleasing God. The only way I can be made right with God is by faith in his perfect son, Jesus. It is not Jesus plus good works. It is not Jesus plus religious efforts. It is not Jesus plus no sin. It's just Jesus. Jesus plus nothing. I can't be good enough. Instead, I can only trust Jesus. Acts 16, 31 in the Message Bible says, put your entire trust in the Master Jesus. Then you'll live life the way you're supposed to and your household too. If I can just learn to trust Jesus, it's not about me. See, really, the enemy's telling you, you don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. He wants to beat you down with that. But the reality is, that's just the wrong perspective from a very real truth. The reality is, the right perspective is that it's not in my hands. It's not up to me to become approved. I am approved by God through Christ. And since I am in Christ, God's seal of approval is upon my life. Now, and I know we're afraid that if we tell people that, well, you know, that, that, that everything's okay, that they'll sin the more. No, I, I don't want to sin because of that approval that God's put on my life. The greater my revelation of God's love for me, the greater my ambition to be more like his son, Jesus. But it isn't me, it's Christ in me. That's the hope of glory. It's just Jesus. Look at somebody, tell them, you can't be good enough. You do everything you can. You position yourself as best you can. You follow all of the rules. And then at the end, you find out there was one little thing that you were totally unaware of that you didn't realize, and it upset everything. Just the other day, this week, Stephen borrowed my car. He and another friend, they were driving around. He's looking through my stuff. He finds a gift certificate. He calls me up, Dad, I found a gift certificate in the Hummer. Can I have it? It's for a restaurant. I want to take my friend to dinner. You're fasting. You can't go there anyways. Okay, son. You can have it. Did everything right. Didn't steal it. He called. Got permission. We knew where he was. We knew who he was with. We knew what they were going to do. He ordered underneath the amount stated on the certificate. Waiter comes, brings a check. He smiles. He hands her the gift card. She thanks him. She goes away. She comes back. The gift card's empty. did everything he thought he should do, did it all right. But when the bill came, he didn't have what it took to pay the bill. No way to cover the debt. That's you and me. We do everything that we can to make it right. But when the bill comes, we don't have what it takes to pay the debt. But he had somebody he could call. We have someone we can call. We can't cover the debt. Uh, no matter how hard we work, we're never going to be good enough. But we can say, Jesus. 
Three words, three words. Listen to this. Galatians 1, 15. Paul said, but when God, who set me apart at birth and called me by his grace, look at that, but when God called me by his grace, please note that God didn't call Paul because he was circumcised the eighth day. He didn't call him because he was a Hebrew. He didn't call him because he was a Benjamite. He didn't call him because he'd never broken one of 613 laws. He called him by grace. But when God called me by grace, literally what he's saying is everything changed, but when God called me by grace. See, three words. In our world, too often the three words go like this, but when I. But when I read enough Bible. But when I pray enough prayer. But when I give enough offering, but when I get enough strength, but when I touch enough people, but when I invest enough resource, but when I, when I get position, I, no, it's not about you. It's not but when I, it is but when God. See, because the enemy is going to come and he's going to remind you when you fail. But you can say, but when God picked me up again. The enemy's going to come and he's going to tell you, your life is filled with sin. And you can say, but when God forgave me, he's going to tell you, hey, you got a cancer in your body. You can't do anything about it. But when God sent his word and healed me, oh, come on, somebody, you get a revelation about when God, and you'll become Pentecostal fast. But when God empowered me, no man could stop me. See, we get confused because we read Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we're thinking, what do you mean I can't, I, I can't do all things? What do you mean I don't, I don't have what it takes? I can do all things through Christ. In, in the Amplified, it, Paul said, uh, I'm ready for anything and equal to everything that comes my way through Christ who infuses me with an inner strength. There's an inner strength that Christ will infuse you with. So really, what you need to recognize is, but when God infuses me with an inner strength, I can handle anything. See, today on my own, I can't do anything right. I can't succeed. I, I'm not good enough. I, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. Guys, all I, all I do is read it and repeat it. I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I, I, I don't have what it takes to pastor a church. But when God called me by his grace and chose to reveal his son in me, look at verse 16. It pleased God to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Everything changed when Paul had the but when God revelation. Everything in your life will change when you have the revelation that it's but when God. It's not but when I, it's but when God. All your life, you got, you got people who love you who are going to point out everything you do wrong. Come on. You, you got people who say they're for you that are right there to point out when you mess up. Your friends and family make your enemies look like nice people. But when God lifts you up, it doesn't matter. If God be for me, who cares who's against me? When scubulon happens, I'm covered. By his grace. 
What have you been fighting? What are you battling? Think you're not good enough? You're right. But that doesn't have to beat you down. That actually can take all the pressure off. Because it's not up to me to earn my salvation. It's not up to me. The only portion that is mine is the choice to accept Christ. The Bible says if I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth, I'm saved. I'd like to attach a bunch of rules to it because it would make it more human. It'd make it easier to understand. I could easily and quickly determine who's with God and who's not. But it don't work that way. If I receive Jesus, I'm forgiven. Well, you can't live that way. Really? Show me Bible. I realize the Bible says that all liars shall have their part in the lake, and he wasn't talking about Tahoe. I realize that there are things in the Word of God that separate us from God. But the Bible also says, what can separate me from the love of God? Neither height, nor depth, nor width, nor breadth, nor any other preacher, I mean creature, nothing can separate me from the love of God. It tells me that I have an advocate with the Father who is faithful and just, that if I confess my sin, he's going to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and forgive me. If I, if I do it by the book, it's not in my hands. Well, that's quite a relief in my world that I don't have to earn salvation. I don't have to earn position with God. Well, if I don't, neither do you. You're not good enough anyways. Well, think about it. If you can't please your spouse all the time, how are you going to please God all the time? If you can't please your boss, if you can't please your employee, if you can't please your neighbor, if you can't please the woman in the car behind you honking on her horn, how are you going to please God? We're not good enough. Thank God. So now it ain't up to me. Now I don't do what I do to earn his approval. I do what I do out of his approval for me. Because he has approved me, oh, I want to do better. I want to demonstrate Satan's defeat all the more. I want to take the devil and rub his nose in it every single day. I want to live to humiliate hell. Why? Because God's for me. Because he's called me by his grace. He didn't call me because I practiced guitar eight hours a day. He didn't call me because I grew up in a church home and traveled most of my life in the back of a car, eventually in motor homes and buses and wound up, you know, in ministry. He didn't call me because of any of my life experience. He used my life experience to help shape my destiny, but he called me by his grace. You're not good enough is a great liberator in my world. I don't have to perform. I just live, try to please God, try to walk in agreement with God, try to be, try to be on time, try to cooperate. And what's crazy is when I find myself wandering off the trail, his mercy and grace lovingly nudge me back on. Why? Because, well, he has a plan for my life. 
He has a hope and a future. And he, he realizes that there's an enemy that is hunting me, trying to take me off of that plan. And God's doing everything he can to redirect my steps, get me back on track, trying to get me to not look back, but to look ahead. He's not holding my past above me. He's holding my future in front of me. He's calling me by my name. He's encouraging me. He speaks words of life to me. He tells me it's going to be okay every day of my life. Why don't you let him do that for you? What are you facing? What's your challenge? What's, what's the burden? What, where are you trying to compete? Where are you trying to, 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 to get it done? Can, can you take that and just set it down for a minute and just thank God that by his grace, he's called you? Will you close your Bible, bow your head, and let me pray for you real quick? Are you here today and you don't have relevant relationship with God? Maybe, you know, what we would call the sinner's prayer, you've never prayed it. Maybe you've prayed it a hundred times. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, are you here today and you do not have relevant relationship with God? The Bible tells us that Jesus was sent to reconcile us to God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is Jesus the Lord and Savior in your life? In just a minute, we're all going to pray a prayer together. Everybody in the room is going to pray this prayer. But while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to ask you if you're here today, you say, you know what, I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, would you, would you just lift your hand and say, include me in this prayer. I'm not going to call you out, not going to embarrass you. Just lift your hand. Thank you, ma'am. You can put them down. Anybody else? Thank you. Just lift your hand and say, that's me. I, I want Jesus in my life. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Pastor Tom, include me in this prayer. I want to receive the love, the acceptance, the forgiveness God offers me. I want to begin a journey to be a Christ follower today. I'm ready. I want Jesus. Anyone else before we all pray? Would everyone here please pray this prayer? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love, your acceptance, your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me vision. Give me wisdom. Give me strength. I want to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross because of my sin. Thank you for raising him from the dead so that I might have real life here on earth and forever. Thank you for saving me and setting me free in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here.